0: I am just trying to create this this challenge to folks that God doesn't place us anywhere just by happenstance. It's strategic. You are in the palace to be a blessing like Joseph, like Moses, like Esther, like Daniel, and ultimately like Jesus. Mm. You condescend and you give your life as a ransom for other folks.
1: Yeah, in the beginning, everything was good like you are Yashua. Yeah. nothing could restrain us from walking with our maker then we decided to be gods and now we're so dangerous a creation that was once am i was
2: able to be really honest satisfied. with you right now i mean of course i can like right i i have the microphone i'm the one that does the editing but this right here is like the 17th take of the intro for the show, because I record these after I edit the show. Same thing with the outro. I haven't even started the first take of that one. This one's been hard though. So the guest is Show Baraka today. And I had a ball, a legitimate fun time spending a bit of the day with him over the internet on Zoom. Now, I hope that that's a name that you know. If it's not, you need to hit pause right now. Actually, don't hit pause. Then just listen to the episode. Then go down to the show notes and check out some of his work. So he does a lot of things. And his music, I remember when I heard it, I don't know, six, seven years ago for the first time. Like his music, man, it touched a chord with me. And I've listened ever since. I just love it. But he has a voice that I love. And I really like the way that he tackles many, many topics. And so today, kind of what you can look forward to, show has written a book of, I guess, theology and prophecy and narrative and a little bit of storytelling. And it is good. And that's a play on words because the name of the book is He Saw That It Was Good, but it really is good. I mean, in his book, show wrestles with questions honestly and does, I think, what I try to do with this show give people permission to do hard questions and deal and wrestle with hard answers knowing that when we learn from that it gives us more paths to go down and none of those are necessarily the right path they're all good oh i'm not saying this well so i'm going to stop here on whatever number this take is and we're just gonna roll the tape.
1: In Genesis, we were severed, driven from your presence, and revelations will be basking in your glory and essence in the beginning. Light came from the sun and moon, and the new heavens and earth. You're the light that consumes in the beginning. We have promised a lot of pain and fear in the end. You will wipe away every single tear in the beginning. It is promised we all shall die in the end. There's no death, and the dead shall rise in the beginning. It is clear creation was due in the end you promise you make all
2: show so baraka you don't know this i've been listening to your music there was something about pianos
0: pianos and politics
2: yeah since then um spotify said you might like this and then since then i have um <laughs> yeah you don't know that thank don't t- yeah yeah absolutely hit that follow button and, and make you some what half of a cent per yeah, stream something time, like that times. <laughs> that's more than half a cent but welcome to the show man i'm i'm glad you're here and thanks for your patience and On the fly, I think on your book birthday, having to cancel on you. So I apologize for that. But thanks for being here this morning. Oh man, it's a pleasure. Thank you. I'm I'm excited about the conversation. Not everybody is watching the video, and not everybody will be familiar with you because Spotify has not yet recommended your music (laughs) to them. And I, I have a couple tracks that people, if you want to email me, I'll say listen to these because you'll laugh and then you'll also be really angry, and that's a good place I think for art to leave people.
0: I want to ask you what those songs are. Those.
2: I'll have to pull them up. I don't have them memorized, but uh, I do have them favorited, like in a playlist.
0: Got you, got you, got you.
2: Yeah, y- you got me off track. <laughs> <laughs> um, so My when bet. people, no, you're good. So who, like, what are you? Who are you? Why are you? Like, what are the things that you think are matter?
0: Yeah, I am. Uh, I just to make things easy, I just call myself a polymath or a Renaissance man because I do a lot of things, from music to writing to I hate to call my, I don't like the term activist, but you know, I guess you can say an activist. Um, I, I study film and television. So I, uh, do a lot of work either behind the camera or in front of the camera. Um, husband, father, um, autism, dad, and uh, why I'm those things is at parents who found that art was important. So they put that, they put you know certain poets and literature in front of me at a young age kind of shaped who i was but then i had older brothers who were huge into hip-hop and so that kind of cultivated this love and affection for you know making rhymes through music not just through the written like through poetry but hey, how can i put these two words together and uh, make this sound real cool and um you know then i my parents also were part of the Black Panther Party. Well, my mother was. And so that's kind of cultivated in me this desire for justice and to be concerned with people around me. So that's where the activism comes from, if you will. And But I grew up in outside Los Angeles. So Hollywood, my aunt worked in Hollywood, worked on a set of shows that some of these folks may not know, but like 227 and Give Me a Break, Nell Carter and uh, uh, some other ones. So um yeah and so being around sets and seeing shows being made just created this indelible like this molding of wanting to tell stories through visual uh, mediums so that's kind of like who i am now where i am uh i also taught at uh, a couple of universities uh hip-hop through you know our religion politics and uh through hip hop. I've, yeah, I can do this for all uh, days and I'll bore people to tears. I just, I'm just pretty, I'm, I guess you could say I'm pretty dope.
2: <laughs> well, so that confidence there. So I have a question. So I, you know, cause you got to prepare for these things. I went onto your Instagram and I, I found some of your Thursday thoughts. And being that you are pretty dope i found one from a few months ago because it doesn't look like you've done these in a while but then again you've been launching a book and i'm sure you've done nine nine billion podcasts because that's how book tours happen now anymore and and thanks for for again for being here for that um but there's a thursday thought one of your last ones that i watched um and there's a couple you know someone watches some on this and i will say you've got quite the watch game i just changed my watch face on my Mm -hmm. apple watch because that's cheaper it's free (laughs) <laughs> but that, but that's fine. You can keep on. But you have on there that you understand the, the plight of women because you were hit on by a six and you're a nine. And since you're dope, I just kind of wanted to know, like, how do, you, how do you range that scale between six to nine?
0: Yeah, um, there's a lot of <laughs> different elements. There's a lot of variables you got to consider. So uh, my wife, I, you know, on her on her off days, she's an eight. Um, and I'm not just saying that because she's my wife, you know, uh, <laughs> If she was here, I would, you know, she's, she's definitely a nine, but on a bad day, she's an eight. Um, (laughs) But I I tell her, I say, ma'am, I just want to let you know, you go to, you go to Walmart and you're upset that men are hitting on you. And I was like, you know, you got to understand eights don't go shopping in Walmart. And so sometimes you got to understand, like, it's not just how you look, it's how you carry yourself as well. (laughs) eights go to they go to they go to whole foods they go to targets <laughs> um so it's, it's also like the type of uh way you carry your knowledge plan no i uh i uh <laughs> i uh i don't know i mean I, you know i just i just have a little fun i say some ridiculous <laughs> things that i think have some truth in it some things that i would love to uh put out there and just create discussion as you, as you kind of communicated earlier i think the way that art comedy it disarms people it gives the opportunity to to say some things and to present some you know some ideas that may not be easy to transmit in a lecture or if it is easy to transmit in a lecture it's not as palatable for people to, to consume because it doesn't have a nice melody behind it or it's not metaphorical or allegorical and so therefore people are are able to to wrestle with these concepts in different ways. Uh, I was recently talking about Nathan and David, how Nathan totally sets David up for this conversation. Nathan knew where he's going. Nathan knew he was gonna rebuke David for his, his actions with Bathsheba and the killing of Uriah. But Nathan said, you know what, instead of me just coming out, calling him a disgusting bastard, you know what I'm saying? what I'm going to do is I'm going to share this story with him and he's going to connect to this story. And he's going to be like, man, that's, that's ridiculous. That person should be punished. And he's like, well, you know, that's you, David. And in a lot of ways, that's what you do with art. You, you know, whether you're making, you know, you're talking about beauty, you know, me being a nine and getting hit on, or if you're talking about war, if you're talking about violence and justice, you're, you're saying like, how can I put the listener in this position so that they see themselves very similar to what Jesus did with, the Pharisees as they were going to stone or the religious leaders as they were going to stone the prostitute. It's like, look, y'all out here doing the same stuff she's doing, but you've created law so that you can avoid the punishment. And uh, and so if you are better than this young lady, then go ahead and stone her. And they realize like, no, we're in the same predicament. And so art does that. Storytelling does that.
2: What would your wife say that you are on your bad day? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I would like to think that she would say that I'm an eight, but I'm going to have to go down to i I'm going to have to go to a, I'm going to go to a, a uh, I'm go to six or seven. I would like to just, I would pray and hope <laughs> to God that she wouldn't say a six, but I, I can deal with a seven.
2: See, he came on here. She came on here to talk about a book.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the crazy thing is, the crazy thing is she's not going to get, I don't think she's going to give me a nine. I think she's going to say I'm an eight. If you, if you pinned her down and you said, you know, No, I think she would give me a nine. I think she would give me a nine. The only reason why I'm not getting a 10 is because I don't have the body of like a Michael B. Jordan. And so <laughs> if I had that, that would be a 10 easy.
2: If you got that contract though to be Apollo Creed, I'll bet you would. You put in the oh, work.
0: She, that's, that's a 10. She would probably give me an 11 after that. She'd be like, you know, <laughs> I don't care what your body looks like, sir.
2: Great on the curve. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs>
2: All right. So you wrote a book the name actually, he saw that it was good. That's right, right? Yep. I want to walk through some of that. And then um, I always like to end with a few existential questions, which I feel like based on what you said you do, mm-hmm. that that will be fun. You start the book, I think the first word you say, maybe it's not the first words, is hello, Average. Let me introduce you to awesome.
0: <laughs>
2: um, what is Average? for a normal American or for a normal Christian, especially maybe in a, in, in a different context, like, cause that, that sentence struck me. I literally highlighted it and I read it again. I've started it. I started saying it at work, which makes me come off as arrogant. Um, and I don't, and I don't care, but I, I just want to begin by ripping that apart a bit. And then maybe we can get into some of the practice and some of the theology of the book and, and some other questions that I had from the book as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's a great, I think, honestly, if I'm not, I'm not stretching here. I think the book in a lot of ways is addressing that, that posture. Um, We'll get probably into the weeds of this uh, statement. But I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Christians out there who go to work on a nine to like to a nine to five, and they don't see themselves as God kind of instructed us to wake up and look at the day as a void and to speak life over that void. And therefore we create life, we cultivate, we bring goodness into the world. And and at the end of the day, God said, it is blessed. He said it is good. So he blesses it. And I think oftentimes we go to work with this apathy, with um, with this sense that my work doesn't really matter. I'm not really contributing to any real substantive change. And so for me, what I wanna do is to remove that sense of apathy from people because that produces average that produces mediocrity not in the sense of just how you approach work and the effort you give but your theology and if your theology is very average in the sense that god doesn't really care over this then you don't see your work as worship you don't wake up and go to it every day thinking like i even if my work doesn't directly tie to some social good like Working at a hospital or feeding, you know, the homeless. The reality is, is the fact that you work in itself is worship, and you should approach it like that because you're creating something that is a reflection of what you believe about your creator. Hmm. And so, hopefully, yeah. you're saying, "Hello, <laughs> hello, greatness, or hello, average." Let me introduce you to greatness. It's, you know, you, you're just—it's t- not only a proclamation to your own self, but it's a proclamation to the world.
2: Do you think that? everyone is an artist and what they do is a vocation or is artists set aside as a different vocation
0: yeah i would say i would agree with the latter i would say their artist is a vocation however i think everybody creates everybody uh is they cultivate they're part of this idea so i when i think about creating i think about genesis 1 26 28 where god says you know subdue do the land multiply it etc cetera, etc cetera. and so therefore what i see one of the main directives from God to humanity is to be a part of creating producing or cultivating the the raw materials that God has given us and everybody does that. there's not one person who doesn't participate in the cultivating of something which means we build systems, we build societies, we build culture and so if sin corrupts that, then ultimately what we're saying is Jesus is calling to redeem those things mm. And so yes uh, I would say, however, um no artist is a vocation but i would say every vocation creates
2: point of clarification because i can't remember from the book so you you talk about uh where is it at? i've got my notes here digital here we go so there's a part where you're talking about you look good in red um and i'm sure because a couple rings that's like the first chapter and so most people i think that read books for book interviews don't read the full book and so i'm sure you've been asked this question a lot I have questions from the end of the book too, because <laughs> I refuse to talk to someone if I haven't read the full book. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah, talking yeah. about a book. Thank you. I but <laughs> I want to approach the question from a different way. So, in look good in red. Um, I know your your dad, because um, because Google says things was like a, a, a football player in New Orleans, right, for the Saints yep. or maybe for somewhere else. Yeah. So wearing red in certain neighborhoods or communities, especially a community I grew up in Texas, will will cause some issues. And I think you alluded to that in the book. But how where are you at? in your life like how old are you During, right yeah no 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 when when you're oh, learning to embrace was, that uh, color
0: i was um i think i i'd say i think i was seven eight years old around that time
2: so that's still in la or that's in louisiana yeah that's
0: it's, it's, it's southern uh southern california
2: yeah because the level of don't wear red escalates i think from from la maybe to to louisiana
0: oh no, no it's uh no it was this is so i grew up like around, you know, the, the Snoop Dogg, his early years, you know, before, right, when Tupac got shot and, uh, you know, uh, NWA was kind of falling apart, but they were still hyped. So you had, gang violence was was everywhere and it was popular. Colors, Boys in the Hood, movies like that. So yeah, it, even if you didn't live necessarily in Los Angeles, there were particular yeah. neighborhoods you lived in and you knew what colors you could and could not wear.
2: yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I had different colors being out in West Texas um, with with yeah. different different just different environment, but same same thing. Oh, yeah. So, no, you talk about the impact of what we leave as inheritances and like inheriting the impact of, of embracing different things. I'm curious. So what do you think you and or we as a nation or as a country or as a church or as take that wherever you want are leaving? for the next generations and probably not even really your kids like I I mean like your grandkids like what are we currently participating in and what do you think we're leaving for the next ones Mm.
0: I think we are leading you know I think this this is a, a very successful and rich nation so I do think we're leaving people financially we're leaving people in And and some sort of economic wealth, but however, I do think we're leaving people socially bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. Though, so there's a lot of resources that we know we have as a nation. There's opportunity like never before for all people. Um, Some opportunities are easier than others; are easier for others than they are for certain people. But there's there's no reason why a particular person in this country can't succeed, especially in comparison to other countries. That's because this country has, you know, it's great wealth for all of its problems. There, there are great opportunities and, and, and roads to get to these places. It's easier for people if you have connections and who you know, the kind of families you grew up, where you live, what type of neighborhood you come from. However, no matter where you are, no matter if you're of the, you know, <laughs> you're rich, middle-class, lower-class, I think we are, we're handing down a spiritual deficiency that I think not only is caused by our political conversations, but I think social media um, has created a society that really wants things now without. So we want to give people a lot of information without giving people a lot of wisdom. Mm. And uh, I think until there's some sort of revolution, like social media revolution, uh, political, I don't know, like not revolution in the sense that it needs to be violent, but a revival of sorts that will cause people to remove themselves from the from the from the extremes of our political discourse to a more rooted place. I, I'm just not sure we'll ever. I don't. I'm not sure my our our grandkids will be in a place where they can sift through nuance. Mm. That they'll be they'll be courageous enough. To, to speak against things that their best friends may hold to that may be wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because right now, we measure ourselves, we categorize or label ourselves against our opposition for the most part. And I don't think that's a, that's a place or a posture that we should ever be, that we shouldn't be just, we shouldn't know we're just against and just have anti-vision we should have vision and we should know what we're for and we should hold to ideas not based on who or who else holds them but off the merit of its of its principles
2: huh i i don't know how to do that <laughs> oh. yeah I, I, I don't know i know how to do that in person because it's almost required to be in community i don't know how to do that with social media and it's not clubhouse that's the latest revolution but it's mm. definitely not Clubhouse. I haven't even tried it, but I'm I'm sure that it's not Clubhouse. Yeah. But I don't I don't know how to do that. Um
0: I think it takes so in my book I talk about you know heroes and villains and how there's no such thing as well, yes, there how oftentimes we think of as individuals as fixed heroes and villains, like if a person's a hero, they're always a hero. If a person's a villain, and the reality is, is that's not the case. People put themselves in situations to be heroes or villains, and oftentimes we can fluctuate or vacillate from hero to a villain the one thing i say is that and i truly believe this is i think people wake up with the audacity to say you know what today i want to make decisions that's going to put me in a position to help other people yeah and and david is very similar david woke up at times when he was like i am going to put myself in this position to have courage and fight for people who are on the margins but then there were times when david was like i am going to wake up this morning and i am going to have sex with this beautiful woman
2: i want that because because i'm a nine (laughs) <laughs> and, she, and she's a ten.
0: Exactly, because David. I'm pretty sure David was a David was a ten. And, uh, when and you're
2: exactly. the king, you're the ten because you're the
0: yeah. king. But she didn't have to be a ten because if you saw it from the distance, you saw that oh, that's a ten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, okay. got And it. have the courage to bathe outside, knowing that people are going to see you. got that's got to be nine, 10 stuff. That's 9, 10 stuff. I don't care what kind of what time of life you live, because if you're ugly, you're concealing yourself.
2: <laughs> you're not, you yeah. <laughs> um,
0: uh, so uh,
2: you didn't necessarily talk about this specifically in the Bible, but I'd like to rip it apart. Um, and you use the word vacillate, the and because uh, no, not the Bible, no, <laughs> in your book. Sorry. Um, and, and you see, I, I got all excited about using a big word because I'm gonna steal it from you. So you don't know this show, but I transcribe these episodes, and so when people use words like vacillate, I already am wondering how it's spelled, but I know what it means, and so I'm gonna do it. Um, yeah so but so there's like throughout the book you weave a narrative of you know we are good especially how you close it like there will be a day that redemption doesn't even need a name anymore because we're all good but at the beginning here i think it's in good call chapter two like i'm curious your thoughts I, i see you weaving a narrative of of goodness and then intentionally choosing a brokenness, you and I choosing that and helping to create like a hell here on earth, mm-hmm. um, which the inverse is also true, which is what you just alluded to. You know, We can make decisions that create the kingdom in partnership as creators, not necessarily artists. But I'm curious, where do you stand on like original sin type doctrine, which isn't really spelled out in the book? Because I see you writing from both sides of that without really choosing a stance if that yeah. makes any sense at all.
0: <clears throat> I you know, I try to be careful because I'm not a theologian. I've spent enough time in seminary to 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 be dangerous.
2: <laughs> I just read books.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, both and yeah, I I've, I've been I've read a lot of books I, and I'm that kind of person who reads enough books that I can say something that is totally dangerous because I kind of get the concept but I don't know it all I, I don't comprehend it all the way. <laughs> mm. So I tried to stay away from like with being authoritative around particular tenets of, mm-hmm. of faith now however, my personal belief is that um I do believe in original sin in a sense that you know man were created humanity was created good and uh, we've we've fallen and we're trying to figure out how to get back to a place of of of, of goodness but we'll never be holy good as you will um as we were better yet in the garden but i i i am of the philosophy the human philosophy that humans are terrible people and i'm not shocked like i tell people this all the time like if for instance if my neighbor next door murders his wife and then all of a sudden uh the news comes to me and they say could you believe that you're ne-? i'm like yes i can i can't believe it i i met him i'm, I'm not shocked i've met him <laughs> And uh, he seemed like a great guy. But you know what? I know what people do when they get upset and they get angry. Um, and so I am more shocked that he hasn't killed her yet, if anything. <laughs> you know, God. it's it's more of that. Like, I, I look at the world. I look at the the depravity. I'm never shocked by the propensity of human depravity that ranges across our nation, across the globe. I go to India, and we talked about India off camera. You, you see caste systems. You go to South Africa. It's not just the effects of apartheid, but before that, you see uh, um, the, the, the violence between Kosa and Zulu, you in Rwanda, Hutsu and, uh, Hutsi and Tutsi, uh, in my own neighborhood, you have gang violence, but then you have this national, uh, 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 you know, systems of oppressions that uh, that have been uh, rampant through our, our society. And so, I mean, you go to Ireland, you see Protestant Catholic, I mean, it's, my thing is you don't need race, you don't need religion. You don't need social status to to hate somebody. All you need is another human being in close proximity, and you'll mm-hmm. find a reason to dislike them. And so that's kind of like my view of of humanity. But I guess the opposite of that the the uh, the, uh, the 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 opposition, or not the opposition, but the the resolution is somewhat of a Christian humanism that I'm trying to give. Is like, how do we learn to treat each other better? How do we learn in the the tension of knowing that I am going to move next door to somebody who probably looks different than me, grew up different than me, has a different religion from me, how do I still find a way to love them, even if I never proselytize them to the faith, to the social sensibilities that I have? I got to figure out how to, to live in peace with this person. Mm-hmm. and And this is a lot of what I'm trying to communicate in this uh, in this book.
2: We've reached that random point in the episode that I've got to do this because capitalism is the beast that requires feeding, and you amazing people continue to help the show grow. And I got to help pay for that. Hang tight. and let's do this.
1: Hello everyone, I'm a meal I've been sober since about uh nine this morning. I know the Lord sees my greed is so appalling. I spent my phone money on clothes, so I miss my calling. But my extended adolescence is so stylish. I want play though, I'm so childish. Sometimes I serve to get in the floor.
2: Can you walk me through what the concept of a chocolate hill song <laughs> is? What what is that? So that's when you know i actually read all of the books <laughs>
0: that is yes See, look you you've earned some points right there so i uh i, I talk about going to a church that was uh, <laughs> a minority led church uh with the intention of trying to be multicultural uh multiracial and multicultural and in some sense it's multi-economic uh multi uh di- diverse in its economic status as well because it was in the middle of the city so you had like you know communities that were considered projects or lower income, but then you also had like literally million dollar homes right next door to the projects. And so, um, this is in Atlanta, but, uh, by the way. And so in the city, you have these people, white, Asian, and Latino coming to this predominantly Black church. And the the philosophy of the church was how do we create music that can bring everybody together? And so... One of the philosophies was, well, let's just take songs from like Hillsong. Let's take songs from like Bethel, different people like that, but jazz it up a little bit. Give it a little bit of funk. Give it a little soul. (laughs) And some horns. And some horns facts, a little bass line rather than just uh, electric or acoustic. Let's give that thing a little (laughs) bass line. Let's put that thing on a two and four rather than.
2: (laughs) You know that we can't clap to that.
0: Hey, well, you got you gonna learn. You are gonna learn today. <laughs> and so, uh, so, basically, I learned to. I just I started calling it Chocolate Hillsong to talk about how uh, these black folks tried to give uh, Hill song a little a little a little thank.
2: <laughs> Is there an album? Like, I'll, I'll buy that.
0: Uh, no, but there's some. So you know, when I was, we tried, <laughs> tried, but I would say there's two. You know, why there's two? There's a pull up a contagious worship it's a it's it's a it's some of those folks made a music but then there's also dox doxology i think it's called um it's a band out of philadelphia a church out of philadelphia and they i would say they did the same thing those two albums are the attempts of trying to take this highly theological thoughtful music
2: and put it on the 2 and 4
0: and put it on the 2 and 4 <laughs>
2: um all right so you write a couple stories in here honestly you should just make a book out of this um actually at the end of all this i'm going to recommend a book that comes out in september to you because from what you wrote about prudence which is what i want to ask you about um i think that you Every would really enjoy before you
0: go any further yeah i'll say this you are the se- I've, literally i've done maybe 30 i don't know maybe 30 interviews it's probably not huh. that many but I, it feels like 30 interviews and i'm not trying to like over you are maybe the second person who's asked me, maybe third person at the moment who's asked me about the, the the fiction.
2: Is that good or bad?
0: That's amazing okay. I really <laughs> want to talk about that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are books with theology, um, but books with arguably parables mixed in the middle. So when I read that, it forced me to reconcile what I read before, and then made me pay attention to what I was reading further. Because I'm assuming, yes. since you know, you said you're an a, 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 a adjunct professor, I think is probably the word um that you don't put a story in the middle of a of a of a classroom lecture if the story doesn't matter it's not just you being like you know what i need to flex a bit um i know that i i'm a recording artist and i could say what i want and just put it on spotify but no i'd rather write it down because that's easier for some reason i'm sure that that's not the intention so i'm going to read this go with me i'm probably going to read it wrong Um, So there is a story about prudence, and I'll let you rip apart whatever you want about prudence. I want to talk about what the rodent says, and then I want to relate that later on to what, because you use the word prudence again, and I again have to assume that's not intentional or that's intentional, but you say the rodent spoke rapidly. Acknowledgements, revered judges. We are in the process of a great renewal, so excuse what might be unpleasant to your eyes. We are growing, we are moving, we are building a future. If I had known our prudent friend, was unwelcome or in danger, I would have assisted her myself. And then he talks about all these other things, you know, look at my reputation, I got money, I give away money, yada, yada, yada. But then at the end, you say, you can't build dignity. And that's the part that I really want to rip apart, kind of whatever that metaphor and narrative is. And then if you could, the other place that you use the word prudence is in, I don't know what the chapter is, but there's a part where you're talking about um, a song called Chapter 9, Jim Crow, which is actually one of the songs that um, makes me upset. The Kanye rant is another one that kind of makes me happy and I don't know why. Um, I don't know why. I think it's the the cadence of the flow. It's slightly different than than the normal cadence. But um, you write in there after you quote some of your own lyrics, you say, you know, these words were used with prudence. And so are those ideas connected at all? Take that wherever you want to take it.
0: So I, I would love to, to act like they were, but no, say no, those those two (laughs) give me about 30 seconds i can figure out how to make them connect (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i will say no um but i will say no i will say no they're not connected but um i forgot the other part of the question
2: yeah so the these these uh the the rat part the the rodent basically saying you can't build dignity okay um And the reason I asked that is my pastor did, I think two years ago, yeah, before COVID. So maybe three years ago. I don't know. Time's lost its 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 measure. Um, he did a sermon series on the minor prophets. It was 13 weeks, summer it was 13 weeks long. So this is great. It's already pre-planned, most of these are two chapters, three chapters long. Let's do this thing. And at the end, I can remember someone in our church being like, You can't talk about the our government that way. And he's like, I didn't say the word United States in any of this. And for some reason, in the words of the rodent, what I hear is. But look at me doing all these cool things. Right. Look, I did it. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Amos five twenty three, like yeah. it just so. Anyway, wherever you want to go with oh, yeah. That.
0: So, a- absolutely, exactly. Um, you know, without over over analyzing and over explaining the art. Um, each rodent is a representation of a particular type of person. You can even say vocation, if you will, skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, a particular class of people, and I mean class by um, like you got the artisan class, you have you know business class, you have the academic, and so the rodent is a representation of a particular type of person, and oftentimes we look at the veneer of what they do as dignifying or redemptive, but it can often be very selfish, it can be self-serving and destructive. And so the council w- w- laid down some judgment. In that, oftentimes the the construction of Oedipuses that look like they're bringing dignity actually do the opposite mm. because of the effects of that type of work and vocation. And so that story, and to your point, that story is placed in the in that particular part of the book for a reason. Because I just I think I just came out of talking about good call, and then I'm going into justice, if I'm not mistaken. And so, which is uh, good slaves, bad plantation. I want to make sure that I'm not making this up. Uh, yeah, so I, I, it's in between a chapter that's talking about work, and a chapter that's talking about justice. Mm. So, I think it was very pertinent that I put it there, and that people can see themselves as they just read about what do you do, how do you work, how do you contribute, and how is this tethered to making other people's lives better.
2: Hmm. There's a part in there, again, I don't know what chapter it is because I'm screenshotting these things on the Kindle app on my phone. So (laughs) um, you, you talk about that many Black evangelicals, and you also end up saying that most people that are Black evangelicals unless I'm misremembering, really aren't black evangelists. That's just a label foisted onto them because there needs to be a label somewhere. See themselves as modern day recipients of Jer- Jeremiah's prophetic instructions to seek welfare of the city as exiles. And then you say that that term needs to be ripped a bit apart. Um, now, most people only are familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11, maybe 12 if you did the extra credit homework. So what are you getting at with that? And like, what would you mean when you define the word exile specifically for people living, you know, here in the U S which you'd asked at the beginning, the people listening to the podcast for the demographics. So the, the number one listener is actually your neighbor. So that's going to be awkward mm-hmm. when he finds out that he, you know, he's, you, you, you assume he's killed his wife and, and then in the United States is the primary demographic as well. Um, but yeah, can you rip a bit apart that little sentimentality there about Jeremiah and, and the term of exile? Yeah.
0: So just a little correction. I do believe that black, uh, I, so there are a lot of people who don't like this, the, the label black evangelicals. There are a lot of black Christians who don't like that. But my argument in a lot of ways is like, I am I understand that the underbelly of my argument is like, I get it. And yes, to some degree there's a legitimate argument there. However, if we're looking at evangelical in the sense, in just the Bebbington definition of it, um which i talk about there and i can't remember off the top of my head but it's you know christ centeredness the gospel changes people people change the world type of thing black churches traditional black churches churches throughout history are evangelical and that white evangelicals can't just own that term um by themselves and but today evangelicalism has a different type of association to it so therefore there are a lot of people who are like no don't call me an evangelical but the reality is is just like people call themselves Christians and do ridiculous things. You can't throw away the identity of what it means to be a Christ follower just because somebody else has said and done something that you don't like and don't want to associate with. So Mm -hmm. that's that. Um, so black folks should be, should not be ashamed to call themselves evangelical because it's inherently, it's not a bad label. Exiles in the context of this particular uh, chapter Jeremiah is talking to people who were removed from um, their home and placed in captivity in Babylon, and he's telling these individuals, "Look, we know this is not the perfect situation for you. You know, we know you'd rather be in your homeland, um, but the reality is, is God has allowed this, and God wants you to be here not only for your own personal flourishing, but this is what this is what's, what's crazy, but for the flourishing of the city." Your, your opp- oppressors, if you will. And that is a very difficult and hard truth and tells them to marry off their children, to build gardens, to buy homes, ex- you know, to live and to flourish off the land, because in your flourishing, the city will flourish as well. And if you for those people who are Bible scholars are just familiar with the story, you understand that David not David, Daniel and, and the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego exist during this time. So they take this prophecy or this prophetic posture to heart by saying, you know what, I am going to thrive in the culture. I'm going to learn. And Daniel talks about this in uh, chapter one, I'm going to learn the culture and I'm going to excel. And therefore you get high positions. And therefore, because of those high positions, you become a blessing, not only to the city, but to your people. And Hmm. so as a, there's a clarion call to black evangelicals who feel like this is not my home i'm in a palace and i don't belong here what i'm saying is whether you decide to leave the palace or whether you remain in the palace understand that you still have a responsibility to seek the flourishing not only of your own well-being and maybe those people who are you know directly connected to you culturally socially racially if that's your thing then also You have a responsibility for the flourishing of the city and your ascension in the palace may be a blessing to other people. Mm. So um, I am just trying to create this this challenge to folks that God doesn't place us anywhere just by happenstance. It's strategic. You are in the palace to be a blessing like Joseph, like Moses, like Esther, like Daniel, and ultimately like Jesus. Mm you condescend and you give your life as a ransom for other folks.
2: So I have three questions left. None of them are actually about your book because really we only get five or six questions in a podcast episode, which really is frustrating because I've probably got 15 other questions I want to ask. That's okay. So you have referenced David and Nathan. I don't even remember if I was recording when you referenced it earlier. Maybe I was, was, maybe I wasn't. Um, Who are the Nathans today? Like, some of those people that we should be list, like paying yeah. attention to when they when they point at something
0: the, my my favorite person in all of the world right now is Dave Chappelle and mm. i love dave chappelle i think he is brilliant i think he is i think there's something about comedians that have the um one the, the audacity to be able to speak to culture in a way that doesn't they don't care about being silenced uh, mm-hmm. because one they operate in the ridiculous so it's like people, in, in a lot of ways, they're like, eh, yeah, of course they're going to say that. But what what I think separates good comedians from exceptional comedians are is their ability to to operate in the ridiculous, but to communicate a philosophy and a truth that really gets to, that puts a pause in the people, and it says, wait, hold up. There's some there's some depth to what they just said, and so Dave Chappelle is honestly, he's a philosopher who he just happens to be funny to me. Mm-hmm. He's just a dude who you think you're having a conversation about, I don't know, <laughs> like one of my favorite jokes of this day is him talking about when he left uh, uh, Comedy Central and he's trying to take, no, 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 he didn't leave. At this point, he was just saying I was just going on a vacation to just, you know, to Disneyland with my, with my family or Disney World with my family. And I'm just trying to take a break And you think this is a joke about people invading his privacy, but at the end, he talks about how he got so frustrated with Mickey Mouse and people like trying to make fun of him and use his own jokes against him that he punches Mickey Mouse. And and you're like, what in the world? Why would you punch Mickey Mouse? And then he talks about how everybody around him is up in arms and is like, irate because he punched Mickey Mouse but not well he's our ir- how everybody's irate not because he punches Mickey Mouse but because Mickey Mouse is actually a Mexican underneath the costume <laughs> and it's like that's the social commentary <laughs> that he gives it's like we're more upset than the fact that <laughs> Mickey Mouse is being portrayed by this uh hispanic character and the, the fact movie. that I punched him <laughs> in the fact that I punched him and I <laughs> and I abuse Mickey Mouse this this icon right you know what I'm saying so it's just funny. It's like it's stuff like that. The layers of, of you know, and um anyway, so but b he's very vulgar, but as Richard Pryor said, and as I quote Richard Pryor, it may be profane, but it's also profound, you know what I'm saying? Mm, so mm. I think folks like him, uh, and I'll just I know you want to ask more questions, so I'll just leave it with Dave Chappelle.
2: Yeah, no, that's fine. His um his thing in some cornfield, I guess in Ohio or whatever, yeah. last year, like uh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I I like I like that. Dave Chappelle is not where I thought you were going. Also, I'm glad that you went with that punched story because there are other comedy specials with Dave Chappelle where he punches other things and it's not as clean as as Mickey Mouse. So I appreciate you going with that one
0: because <laughs>
2: my kids sometimes listen to this and and I. Just,
0: so. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's a, there's a couple. I know exactly which way you're talking about. It is funny. It was um, the most brilliant setup too. He's he clever. Told people, where we we're going to go. And then, In an hour
2: and a half is where I'm going to be. And then when you get there, you're like, I told you, I told you. Oh,
0: my gosh, the genius. But anyway, he's,
2: yeah, he's great. Um. All right. So I, I decided finally, after years of doing this show that I should play on the name of the show. And it's become, I think you're maybe the third or fourth person I've asked this to. So what do you personally feel like are the things that we should be allowed to talk about at church? And that if we don't, will possibly be the demise of a portion of the life giving part of the church?
0: I think it's a little too late right now, but I think sex, sexuality is one of the things that we have failed. And so therefore, we have a generation of people who don't trust the church anymore about what they have to say about sex or sexuality. And I'm not even talking about sexuality in the sense of you know LGBTQ, etc. I'm th- I, it's I'm talking about even healthy sex within marriage. Healthy sex, uh like it just seems like we can't the only time we can talk about that is in counseling spaces or in marriage counseling or marriage retreats. And I think this is (laughs) politics, I don't know, marriage, now maybe even uh, politics, sex, and race are one of the most divisive, some of the most divisive things to talk about, but it's the things that people love the most. Mm. And I don't understand why why we're so afraid to talk about these things many people love sex people who are not even married are loving love sex and they love engaging in sex and we're acting like we can't talk about it teenagers are engaging in it and oftentimes we just try to distract teenagers with you know their favorite christian rock band or christian hip-hop group and act like as soon as they're done they're not going to go out and hang out with their friends and there's not going to be an attractive individual that they want to have sex with and yeah but to deal with that compulsion, just listen to your favorite rap group. (laughs) It's like, and then, you know, politics again, you know, we all have strong beliefs about what makes the world better for us. Why aren't we able to talk about that frankly and do it in a way that's charitable and learn from one another, why are you anti-abortion? Why are you for abortion? And let's have a discussion about it. You know what I mean? And then we all love ourselves. And so that's the race discussion, Mm -hmm. even though it's a construct, but still like, we built this construct in the sense that we build our identities according to these social groups. And I grew up loving this. You grew up loving that. Well, that pushes up against my sensibility. Well, let's talk about it. How can we make this world a better place so that you and I can both love the things we love. You can love your Southern culture, but not necessarily throw your, (laughs) <laughs> your confederacy in my face and i could love my blackness and not feel like just because you are white that you're evil you know what i'm saying and so yeah. like let's figure out how to have these sensible, like these conversations and be sensible about it um but the church wants to act like they're not real things and yeah. the more we talk about it the more honest i think the conversations will be and the less taboo it will be and the in the in the The less offended will be by these types of things when they come up.
2: When you try to wrap words around what God, the divine, whatever that is, is what do you say to that? If someone asks you, "Hey, what is that? What is God? What is that?"
0: I'm ready for this. (laughs) I
2: told you I end with the existential.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I am very traditional in the sense. When just answer this question, I don't know if I, I can be very artistic. I've heard. You know octavia butler talk about uh god is is power basically mm. like and so that doesn't mean it's that he or she is a being it's the very essence of controlling something and knowing you have that power and that control to change people's lives that's god um i like to think of it being more embodied in um an actual energy an actual spirit that facilitates controls determines but also allows things to happen people to do and uh that that person that being that energy that spirit actually cares and it's not just hovering with without any kind of empathy, because I think everything, the nature cares, nature grows and gives, nature punishes. When things go wrong, you feel there's, there's storms, there's viruses, there, there, like nature interacts and it has, a, a, it's an organism that lives and it moves and it has its being, it thinks. And to, to, to believe that those things didn't have some sort of intel, intelligent interaction with something to me feels like like there's 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 nothing that watches over over us i think that is to me very naive and i feel like that thing is god um i don't know what gender Mm -hmm. it is i don't know what it it or he or she looks like i just know that this is too beautiful of a design for it not to have been intentional and we the way we operate and we think we operate like gods. And so it just only makes sense that that complex didn't just come from the fact that we, we figured, you know what, somebody needs to control some stuff. I think that came from this idea that we are made from the very thing we wanna emulate.
2: So I want to answer the question you asked earlier. So the Kanye 2009, that's the name of the song. Um, I've been playing it in the back of my mind, which makes it really hard to have a conversation. But all I keep hearing is go on say it then, you know, which is not the way that it's saying in the song. The lyric in there, though, that I relate the most to where I like dialed in and listened because I hate people named Sally and I hate people named May. And I also hate that I hate people named Sally May. But there's a part in there that you say something like, like, something about you don't have enough money to solve problems and um influence doesn't stop Sally May from calling yeah. and it's enough to drive somebody I don't know I remember all the lyrics someone into depression or something like that yeah. but I literally stopped rewounding I'm like that's absolutely that's why I got into what I do for a living because I didn't go to school to do what I do now but yeah. Sally May's like hey a six month deferral hey we don't need that I help. need that listen listen I gave you some money. <laughs> wasn't quite a payday loan. I'm aware that you were 19 when we gave you like all this money and you didn't know any better.
0: And you didn't know any better and it probably shouldn't have done it anyway, but still, that's how the system work. They allow me to do it. And guess what? Time for the payout.
2: I, it, and maybe I did or didn't buy like a Plymouth neon, not <laughs> even that Dodge neon with the but that's extra the money. Point. That's not my yeah, fault. Yeah. <laughs> I needed a car. <laughs> I, needed, so.
0: I knew I needed a car.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's your song, but the song that's spoken to me the most recently is uh, We Know Intiende. I think it's propaganda. And I don't know who the other guy is. It might be Swope. I'm not sure. Um, so um, he said, The lyric is, Jesus died in the blackest way possible with his hands held high or his hands held up and his mama, they're watching him or something like that. And it's just, oh, it's not your song. Sorry, didn't mean to digress, know, so but I you love, asked earlier.
0: I know both of those dudes and I love both of those dudes. So that's fine.
2: Yeah, yeah. Where do you want people to go? Because they should buy the book. Um, it, it, It's at Books A Million here in in in, in Stuart Draft, Waynesboro, Charlottesville area that I live in. And I have moved it. it. There's an end cap section there with a few other books. Most of them are also blue. I do the same thing for every author that's on here. Like I did this for Elizabeth Johnson. I've done it for Diana Bass. Like if I'm in the store, and it's there. I move it to the front because, hey, it's not be- Cost anything? I know. In a few hours, some poor kid making eight dollars an hour is going to have to fix it. But that's all right.
0: But we're- good. Hopefully, in those hours, somebody's walked past it and they saw this beautiful face, and they were like, "Oh my yeah. god, that gentleman <laughs> is strikingly gorgeous." That's I mean,
2: you—you you could <laughs> see. That's when you like Chappelle because that's the callback. That's, that's the. That's the I mean, there's no neon lights wrapped around you like you did a modeling <laughs> shoot the other day, but. I
0: mean. Oh, my gosh. People. There's there's some people who have some interesting commentary on in those pictures.
2: <laughs> Where do you want people to go, though, Show? Where do they do the things that they need to do to support what you're doing?
0: Um, all, on all my platforms, uh, my full name is Amisho. So it's A M I S H O Baraka, B A R A K A. So you'll find me on Twitter, Instagram facebook at that particular handle um baraka ology is my website and uh, i have an event that's going to be coming up called one good night and it's going to be a variety show it's going to happen on june 26th and uh i think chapelle's coming yeah Chappelle's going to be there he's going <laughs> he to be on screen but he'll be in the building and uh, but it'll be virtual and also in person so you know just stay up on uh, my media uh, social media and you'll be able to enjoy some of the skits and short films and music that I'm, you know, pr- presenting with friends. So, it's going to be fun.
2: That's fun. Hey man, I appreciate you being here. And uh yeah, I've, I I really you, enjoyed it, was man.
0: fun, bro. It was a it was a fun time. You were a very fun interview, and I don't say that to everybody.
2: I <laughs> I appreciate it.
1: I'm trying to be great and I'm on my way. way, on my way.
2: That's it. That's the end. Thank you so much for listening. The music in today's episode was used with permission from show Baraka. You'll find links to that on the playlist for the show on Spotify and anywhere else that you can find music. I want to give a huge and very special thank to Kathy Bruce, the newest member over at Patreon. People like Kathy, and I would love to count you among them, help the show continue to be a show. If you've ever felt like, hey, I'd like to support this, a buck or two this way next week will be a replay again of one of my favorites from the past archives and then we will end the month with jeremy and jennifer divler and that was also a very fun conversation i hope and i pray that the beginnings of this summer or late spring i don't actually know what season we're in have been truly amazing that you found new rhythms and new patterns of grace and rest you're having fun. Be blessed and I'll talk with you soon.
1: The architect, homeboy, we in the building, no ceiling. Prayers tear the roof off. Talk to God via text. We got a new call. Fans will exalt you, haters will stone you. Man will always fail you. Keep your eyes on Jehovah. I'm saying great. I'm trying to push my brothers.